How do you handle correction? No one person outside of Jesus is perfect in knowledge. And as people, we sometimes think we know everything. And I'm sure you know of that person who can be that arrogant to believe that they can't be taught and they actually know everything. As followers of Jesus, God is always leading and teaching us into more understanding of who he is and a greater level of understanding of the scriptures, just going deeper into God's truth. And so there are times when we need to be corrected because we're not like God and we don't know everything. And this happens in the family of faith, the church. Well, what do you do when you're corrected and how do you handle that and what direction do you go? Well, in this letter that Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy, we see Paul a number of times correcting things that are wrong in the church at Ephesus. Timothy is this young a pastor type person who has been assigned to look after the people who are part of the church in Ephesus. And as we've been going through the letter that Paul writes to Timothy, we have been seeing all of these instances about how Paul is telling Timothy that the believers should behave in the household of God, meaning the family faith. Today's passage is this very confusing passage as we look in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and it has over the years been many times misunderstood and misapplied and today I am with great humility going to try and explain this passage to us and, and bring some application to us as we look at this. So if you've got a Bible, or please grab your Bible or just read along on the screen with me as I read from 1 Timothy chapter 2, 11, verses 11 to 15. It says, Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Now, first off, we need to admit that at the first reading of this, this just seems so far from our world today. It is even confusing at times to know why he's talking about women and he's talking about Adam and Eve and then he starts talking about childbearing. Well, what does all of that have to do with the church at Ephesus? Well, let me give you a little bit of context. And remember, Paul has this relationship with Timothy. He knows Timothy really well. He knows the church. He actually knows the individuals at the church really well. And so that piece, he doesn't really have to explain everything to us because him and Timothy, they know, they have this common knowledge that we actually don't have. The other piece of this is that 
the community of Ephesus or the city of Ephesus is this really uh, idolatrous pagan center where there's the worship of all kinds of gods. And one of those gods specifically is the goddess Diana. And that is in and of itself problematic because all of the people of the city have been influenced by this worship of Diana, especially the women. And so because of that, these women who have been influenced by this worship of Diana have come into the church and been saved. And things happen to them that Paul knows very well, and he's telling Timothy about them, but we don't actually know all of that. So as Paul is sending this letter to Timothy, telling the people how they should behave in the household of God, which is God's family, this letter is all about correcting things in the church at Ephesus. And this passage specifically is correcting a specific issue at Ephesus. And here's what's so important for us to realize is that it's just at Ephesus. And in fact, in no other writings that Paul writes to the church about, does he use everything that he says here again. And so what we realize is that what Paul is saying here is not a directive for all churches at all times regarding women, but actually something that's very specific. Now, why do I actually say that? Well, I say that because this issue at Ephesus and Paul's addressing of it actually goes against other passages that Paul writes encouraging women in leadership positions in the church. We find that in the letter to the Romans in chapter 16, where he talks about the fellow workers, those that are collaborating as gospel ministers and messengers of God. And again, in the letter to the Corinthian church, where he's talking about spiritual gifts and, and praying in the context of the church and prophesying in the context of the church, where women are doing that. You see, the problem in Ephesus was that there was false teachers. And they were teaching false doctrine. And unfortunately, the women were preyed upon and because they were preyed upon, the advocates and promoters of this false teaching turned out to be some of the women because they had been influenced by these false teachers. Now, how do we know that? Well, Paul doesn't write just one letter to Timothy. He writes two. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 6 to 9, Paul says this about what's been happening in Ephesus with regards to these false teaching. Let me read it for you. It says, For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as James and John Bray's who opposed Moses, Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupt in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. So here, 
Paul is referring to these false teachers who were creeping into households to capture weak women and burden them with sins and lead them astray because they already had these passions because of a previous lifestyle of worshiping the goddess Diana. Now, the goddess Diana also plays a huge part because what was actually happening in this worship of Diana was the prostitution of women. Women were prostituting themselves. That was part of the temple worship of Diana. So there was a lot of passions that were in them and and God was coming and setting them free from all of those things. But these women were on a journey and some of them because of these false teachers, were getting caught. And really, Paul has been condemning these false teachers and attacking them and saying, hey, this got to stop. And right here, he actually talks about these men that are doing this and saying, this is so wrong, this shouldn't be happening. But Paul had to address the fact that there were some that were actually falling in to their false teaching. And so here he begins to address this, and he's addressed this situation with how to pray. He's been addressing the fact that there's false teaching. He's going to go on to do this throughout the rest of the letters. But these women, they they weren't arriving at the truth. They weren't learning quietly, as this passage says, and they were actually exercising authority over the real leaders in the church. So what does that actually mean? Well, the phrase that it's translated into English, where it says, I do not promote a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. This has nothing to do with male, female, but everything to do with these ladies taking or usurping, which actually means to be aggressively taking control of with violence, a position of authority. And so they were taking these positions of authority, which weren't theirs, and they believed false doctrine, which Paul goes on to correct, which we will correct in a minute too. And so they were actually arguing against the spiritual leaders of the church for the false teaching. It's like there's this group of people who are saying, hey, this is what we believe. And then there's these women are saying, no, 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 this is what we've been taught. This is a false, and this is what's really right. And this is really what we should be doing. Well, what things were they saying? Well, because Paul and Timothy are so close, Paul doesn't actually write down the false things that were being said. He actually only writes the correct things. So where does he do that? Well, he does actually does it in this passage. I want you to notice as you read through this passage, it, in verse 13, he actually starts to correct the false teachings that were being propagated and being listened to by these ladies. It says, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. Let's just pause there for a minute because that is a true statement. 
we know from Genesis chapter 2 that Adam was born first, then Eve. So why does Paul have to say this? Like, why is he saying this now? Because he's correcting a false teaching that was taught. So what was that false teaching? That Eve was born first. You see, Paul actually had to correct them and say, no, look, like he didn't spend the time to actually write down. Eve was not formed first. It was actually Adam that was formed first. But he does do that when he says Adam was formed first, then Eve. He goes on to say, Adam, as we read, as we read he says that for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived. But the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Again, that's a truth statement. So what's he correcting? He's correcting the opposite statement, which would be Adam was deceived and the woman was not deceived. Now that changes everything because as we go back to Genesis and we kind of look at the initial part of Genesis, what we actually see, we actually see Eve in Genesis chapter 3, verse 18, confess herself that she was deceived. You see, all Paul is doing is saying this truth statement here. He's saying, no, Adam was formed first, then Eve. Adam was not deceived. Actually, what we see in scripture is that Adam disobeyed outrightly. There was no real deception with Adam. He knew that he wasn't going to, or he shouldn't eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but he did anyway. Eve was actually deceived by the serpent. And Eve actually confesses in Genesis 3.18 that she was deceived. And Eve became a transgressor versus Adam, who disobeyed outrightly. You see, this false teaching was that Eve was not a transgressor meaning that Eve didn't sin, meaning that the woman is super spiritual. Now, this is actually problematic if it was floating around in the context of the church. And so Paul is addressing this, and he's basically saying, hey, there's all of this false doctrine going around, and these women are exercising authority over the leadership of the church and they need to be quiet and actually learn the truth, which I'm telling you now as Paul writes. Now, the next thing that he corrects is this whole subject of childbearing. He's actually correcting a negative view of childbirth. Paul in no way is not, is talking about salvation. He says in verse 15, he says, yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness and self-control. Well, what in the world does that have to do with all of the stuff we're talking about? Exactly. It's a thing that he's correcting. And again, he's not saying what is being spread. He's affirming the truth. So there's some kind of negative view of childbirth. We know he's not talking about salvation because time and time again, he says that salvation is through faith. We can go to all of his other writings in the New Testament and we can actually see that Paul firmly believes that salvation is through faith. But here he addresses the teaching that those who bear children were not spiritual or they were unworthy members of the community of faith or 
that they would even die if they had kids. He may have also been talking about how they would be saved through the pain of childbearing, too. You see, Paul actually is correcting something here. So how does this even apply to us today? Because all of this stuff that I've been talking about really isn't necessary for us today, especially as believers in the church. Well, the application in this is what would you do if you're corrected? Well, one of three things happened as Timothy did what Paul was actually instructing him to do, to give this correction. And the first thing that would happen would be that the people that are receiving the correction actually received it. They would search the scriptures to see if these things are true. They would be teachable. They would be humble. They'd be honest. They would be a, a person, a woman who would be seeking the truth, resting on the truth. And this goes not just for women, but both men and women. Because some of the men in Ephesus were caught up in all of this false teaching too. So what do you do when you're corrected? Do you receive the correction? Or do you ignore it? You see, for us to ignore correction, it's, it's, it's another response. And sometimes we just ignore correction just because... We don't like what we're hearing. And there will be some in this group that don't want correction. In fact, Paul in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy names the names of people who have resisted and don't want to be corrected. And they're written for all of history to see. What we understand is that they don't actually love the truth. They love the darkness. They love all sin kinds of sinful things that come in the darkness. Therefore, they just ignore correction. We can't ignore correction. Sometimes correction is hard, yes. It sort of rubs against us the wrong way, whether how it's delivered or what it actually says, what it means for us to change the way we think. But we actually can't ignore correction. Just think about what it would be like to raise your kids if they were always ignoring correction. You see, all of us go through stages in our life where we need to be corrected. And we can't ignore correction. We actually have to receive this correction which means that we need to be teachable, we need to be humble, we need to be honest. And those are the kinds of qualities that Paul is wanting Timothy to build into this family of faith, this community of faith, where they're able to receive correction, where they're teachable, they're humble, they're honest, and they're able to discern what is actually truth. Well, there's another thing that we can do with correction, and that's just misunderstand correction like just misunderstanding this passage. And we can take the information as just a straight read of this passage and project that misunderstanding onto all women over all times and all places. We can actually have a negative view of women because of how Paul talks about this. We can take correction personally. And sometimes when somebody corrects us, we get our knickers in a knot and we get offended 
Because how dare they tell me that? Because we don't really think that we need to be corrected. Sometimes we really like our misunderstandings. They provide us comfort. They allow us to live in a place of ignorance. Sometimes we can see correction as punishment. You're just punishing me for this. And we can see correction as something that is to be opposed, not embraced. So let us not live in this place of deception because really that's what's happening here. And Paul's heart is to help Timothy show these people, both the men and the women, that there are some false teachings that were floating around. There were things that they were doing that was wrong and they needed to be corrected. And that's actually a sign of God's love where he loves us enough to correct us. As parents, we love our kids so much that we correct them because of the misunderstandings that they have. We do that all the time when they're children, when they reach out to touch a warm stove or hit a sharp object or something else that they've done, maybe just from lack of not knowing, we wanna correct them because we love them and we don't want them to get hurt. You see, God loves us which is why he constantly is correcting us and drawing us back to himself. And we, as followers of Jesus, need to embrace the correction that comes from God. And this example that we see in this letter to Timothy is how we need to be embracing this. We actually need to do the things that Paul is instructing Timothy to do. So when there are advocates of false teachers, we don't let them teach or have authority or to grab authority over those leaders in the church. And if they happen to be women, then we have to say no. If they happen to be men, we have to say no. If they happen to be a friend, we have to say no. And we also need to affirm what the truth is, which is exactly what Paul does in these verses. And it all comes from this place of love. You see, God loved us while we were still sinners, and he sent Jesus to die on the cross so that you and I could have eternal life, to spend eternity with God. And if you believe that Jesus is God's son and that you turn away from sin and darkness, and turn to Jesus, then you get this guarantee of this promise of eternal life. That's the truth. Not the worship of some other God, not trusting our own works for salvation, but trusting Jesus and believing that he is the Son of God and that he gives this gift of salvation to all who believe and put their personal trust that's the truth that we need to know. 
May we all seek the truth of Jesus Christ as we seek to serve him, as we seek to love him and follow him in his family, in his church. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the correction that you bring in our lives. Lord, I pray today that each of us would handle the correction that we have experienced or yet to experience or receiving even today. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to know and understand your word, to know and understand your ways, and to know and understand your love. Lord, I pray that we would receive correction in a way that honors you as the one who is full of wisdom, knowledge, and truth. And we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.